One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Amen. Well, what a beautiful time of worship. And I'm so glad that in this season, as we are separated physically, that we can still encounter the presence of God together. And I love that song about the goodness of God. Uh, as I was listening to it and that uh, phrase, you've led me through the fire, I was just reminded of the children of Israel and how God led them through the desert. And there's this little phrase, this little verse, little refrain in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that God says, I led you through all of these problems so that I might do good to you in the end. And I believe that's true for every single one of us. I believe that's true in the season that we find ourselves in now. Uh, Although we're facing difficulty, the truth is that God's plan for us is still good. He's working all things together for our good. So in the presence of God and worship, we are reminded of that. And I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Again, for those of you who are guests joining us, we are so glad uh, that you are with us. And for those of you who are part of our One Church family, uh, it is so good to be with you, to be back with you, because uh, most of you know I've been on a summer sabbatical. I've been out of the mix uh, for a number of weeks this summer. Uh, Jennifer and I and the kids have just been enjoying a time of rest and refreshment and just feeling revived, renewed. And uh, so I'm so glad to be getting back into the mix. And uh, before I get into the message that I feel God's given me today, I first, uh, first of all, I just want to say a big Thank you. Thank you uh, specifically to each and every one of you, but specifically to uh, our leaders uh, that over these last number of weeks have just led the charge, have cared for one another, led the church so well. Nate and Steph in particular, the elders team, the staff team, uh, every one of you that are gathering together in house churches, leading and facilitating in this unique season. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, and so I just want to say thank you, first of all. And secondly, I want to say I miss you. I miss you all so much. And uh, it's true what they say, that absence makes the heart grow fonder. And so we are missing you all. Uh, this week marks four months that we have not been physically together as a church family in the way that we are used to. And uh, who would have ever imagined four months that we would be meeting in this way? But it's been so good to hear the reports of people gathering together in house churches, uh, opening up their homes, having neighbors over, uh, eating together, opening up the word together, tuning in online together, uh, praying for one another, caring for one another. And I really believe uh, that the church is shining in this season. And so I'm so glad just to be a part of this church family. I'm so excited about what God is doing. And uh, just glad to be together with you today. And that's really springboards into what I want to talk to you about today. I want to speak to you a message that I'm calling, We're All in This Together. We're all in this together. If you have your Bible, you can grab it and turn with me to Psalm 133. But that phrase, we're in this together, we're all in this together, has kind of become a cultural mantra in this moment. Uh, You hear it from uh, the government, you hear it from businesses as kind of a marketing term. Uh, You hear it from so many because there is, of course, a feeling of isolation, a feeling of separation. 
And so there is the mantra, the reminder that we're all in this together. Yet at the same time, you can't help but feel that that mantra is actually a, a very shallow veneer of togetherness because it, it doesn't go very far before we see the disunity, we see the relational disconnection beginning to come to the surface again. And I believe that's ultimately because every form of togetherness that is not rooted in Jesus Christ is ultimately a shallow point of togetherness, a shallow place of togetherness. And ultimately, every single one of us longs for that sense of togetherness. We long for community. I, I believe, first of all, because we're made in the image of a communal, relational God. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that when God made us, he said, let us make man in our image. And so we are made in the image of a relational God. We are not made to be alone. The creation story records the first thing in all of creation that was not good is God said it's not good for mankind to be alone. And I know for many of us in this time of distancing, we can allow the distance to become a disconnection in relationship from one another. And God has not made us and meant for us to be disconnected. And I want to encourage you again to be intentional about togetherness. Be intentional in this season uh, to, to invest into relationships. There was a book that came out a number of years ago that, that pointed out what the scripture has told us for thousands of years. And the book was called Bowling Alone. The author Robert Putnam pointed out how through our recent history, American history, there has been a decline of community, a dissolving of the fabric of community, and that people are increasingly isolated. There is a difference between being in solitude, which God calls us into at times. Jesus often would retreat uh, away from the crowd in order to be with the Father so that he could re-engage in a healthy way. So solitude is needed, but isolation ultimately will kill us because we're not made for isolation. And Robert Putnam in this book talks about how people used to go to the community pool. Now they all have their own home pool. Uh, people used to go to the theater on a Friday night. Now everybody has their own home theater. And not only that, but now everybody's got their own little device. So the whole family is watching their own show alone, no longer together. He talks about how people used to bowl in a bowling league, but now they're bowling alone. That's the title of his book. And again, that's only reiterating what scripture has told us for thousands of years, that it is not good for man to be alone. And David says that in Psalm 133, and that's what I want to pick up with today. If you have your Bible, you can look along, uh, look on with us. Um, I know some of you are gathered in house church today. Uh, I know some of you are watching with your family. Maybe some of you are just watching on your own or listening. Uh, but I, I want to encourage you just try to focus in to hear from the Word of God this morning. In Psalm 133, David says this, Behold, in other words, listen up, pay attention. You, you've got to catch this. Don't miss it. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The first thing that I want you to see that David reveals to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is, I would say it this way, the pronouncement 
of togetherness. The, the, the pronouncement, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's good to be together. It, it, it's good to have that sense of relational connectedness. And David was speaking that because he was a man who knew what it was to be disconnected. He had experienced a season of running for his life, finding himself isolated in the cave, away from his community, away from the people of God, sensing despair in his own soul. And he writes Psalms like Psalm 42, where he says, I used to go with the multitude. I used to go with them to the house of God. He's longing to be back with the community of God's people. And I don't know about you, but I find that longing in my heart. Yes, there's all kinds of great places to connect, but there's nothing like gathering with the people of God, be it in a home, be it with your family, around the presence of God. David goes on to say, from I used to go, with the people of God. Then he goes on to, why so downcast, O my soul? In other words, that place of disconnection resulted in feeling downcast, or we could say a, a sense of depression. And again, psychology tells us what the Bible has told us, that, that we are not meant to live in isolation. And I know we are in this season of being distant, but we have to remember it's not good to be alone. Just because we are distant doesn't mean we need to be disconnected. Don't let it lead you into solitude. David knew what it was like. He had been in the cave. He had also experienced the disconnection of his, uh, of his own family. His son Absalom had turned on him and had a disconnection of the relationship, a breaking of that togetherness. And, and it's out of that that David cries, Behold how good and pleasant it is. It is good and it is pleasant when there is a sense of togetherness, community. It's what the Bible in the New Testament calls fellowship. Fellowship is not just hanging out. It's a spiritual quality that we are gathered together in the presence of God. And the reality is that oftentimes community and relationship and that sense of togetherness uh, is kind of like our health. Uh, our community can be like our health. We don't know what we have until it's gone. And, and oftentimes, uh, even for a church community, we can take so much for granted until we have lost it. And so David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, it is good and pleasant. I want you to know that community, relationship is good and it is pleasant. And then he goes on to say, for brethren to dwell together. Notice that language brethren. And I would expand that if I could to say sistren as well, brothers and sisters. Notice that it is family language. Why does he say brethren? Because he's, he's talking about a quality of relationship. He, he's not just talking about friends. He's talking about family. Why? Because Jesus makes us family. David in his close relationship with Jonathan said this, the scripture records that they, they were soul friends. They had this depth of relationship. It wasn't just because they both liked to shoot bow and arrows together. Nothing wrong with that. That's affinity, but this was spiritual community. 
And Jonathan says to David, may the Lord be between you and me forever. You see, that's true community. It's not just me and you. It's you and me together in the Lord. Spiritual relationship, spiritual community. Jesus makes us family. The challenge oftentimes with family is, is that depth of relationship is not always comfortable. It's not always easy to live in a family. It's nice to have friends because sometimes you can just send them home when you're done, but family, they're there to stay. The Bible says that God places the solitary in families. And, you know, family is different than a fantasy. Some people love the idea of biblical community, but it's not always easy to work that out. You see, when you're in biblical community, there's some stuff in you that's going to come to the surface that may not always be pretty. There's some things that are going to annoy you about other people, maybe in the way that they handle circumstances, maybe the culture that they bring into the house, maybe the way they raise their kids, maybe the political perspectives that they have. But we are family in Christ. And here's the reality is family is the relationships that you didn't choose. God chose them for you. And the Apostle Paul says that God places the members of the body as he chooses. This relationship of church family is not just because we all happen to show up in the, at the same place on the same time every Sunday. It's because it's a spiritual quality that God has joined us and knit us together. And it's not always easy, but it is good. It is good. And I believe a danger is that we can have a fantasy of relationship rather than the reality of it because fantasy is easier than reality. That's a danger even in this season of church online. You can just say, well, I'm going to tune into another church or I'll just kind of, you know, get this preacher and I'll have this, uh, you know, worship and I'll have this teaching. And, and I love hearing from the broader uh, voice of the body of Christ. But the reality is that God's placed you and I together. And we are more together uh, as a church, a local church community, than we are just with anybody in the body of Christ. You see, it's great to glean from other people, but we grow where God has put us. And when we grow together, the, the local family that we have as a church family here in one church, Park District, we are the ones that will encourage one another, challenge one another, help one another. And so it's so important that we have this family. Behold how good and pleasant it is where brethren dwell together. Brothers sometimes fight. I've got some brothers. We sometimes fight. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like a brother and so the first thing that I want you to see is the, the pronouncement of unity. It is good to be in community together, the pronouncement of togetherness. The second thing that David tells us is not just the pronouncement, but listen to what he says in verse 2. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like, it is like he's, he's drawing a picture now. The first thing I want you to see is the pronouncement of togetherness. The second thing I want you to see is the pictures of 
togetherness. You see, a picture helps us to see what we cannot see with our natural eye. You can't see the quality of togetherness. You can't see the benefits of togetherness. And so David draws a picture by saying it is like, and then he gives us two pictures. The first thing he says is, it is like the precious oil. He's speaking in the context of God's people in the Old Testament, the Hebrew people that understood the Hebrew culture. And this was the oil that was poured on the priest. He says it was running down on the beard of Aaron. In order for Aaron to go from just being Moses' brother to becoming the priest, there was an oil that was poured down on his head. And when that oil was poured on his head, it was a sign of the presence of God. It, it, it was the demonstration of his distinctiveness that he wasn't like everybody else. He's, uh, he's distinct. And he says it's like that oil that makes us distinct from the world. And when that oil was poured onto Aaron's head, there was a beautiful aroma that would fill the whole room. And I want you to know this. There is an aroma to togetherness. There is an aroma to community that the world is longing to experience. I want you to know there's also a, there's an aroma to disunity, to uh, discord, and, and it stinks. You don't want to be around it, but there is an aroma to togetherness. And he says, it's like this oil that's poured on the head. It draws people in. And then he goes on to say, it's like the dew of Hermon. The dew of Hermon. Hermon was the mountain to the north of Israel, the highest mountain in the region. And in a region that was arid and was dry, Hermon was distinct, Mount Hermon, because of the elevation, it would gather uh, dew from the clouds. And in a region that was dry and arid and desolate and, and even deadly, Mount Hermon, because of its elevation, had a different climate. And he says, when there is togetherness, it elevates us to a place that we develop a different climate. In a world that is dry and arid and dead and dying, when there is a sense of community and togetherness among God's people, we develop a climate that is different a climate that is refreshing. It's like the dew of Hermon upon the mountains that settles. He goes on to say, descending upon the mountains of Zion. You see, the dew of Hermon, as it melted off of the mountains, it became the source of the River Jordan. And the River Jordan flows down through Israel. And in that place that is surrounded by dry arid, hot land. The River Jordan becomes a flow of life-giving refreshment in that place. And David is saying, when you are in unity, not only does it create its own climate, but it flows into the world around it. I don't know if you realize this, but our togetherness as a community will affect the world around us. When we are loving and caring and, and, and encouraging one another, it, it flows out. Let me say it this way, it leaks out. Your 
lack of togetherness will leak out. Have you ever been around somebody, married, maybe a married couple, and there's just this biting attitude, there's just this nitpicky attitude, and you're like, man, I don't know what's going on there, but it is leaking onto us, and I don't want it on me. That, we've all experienced that, but the same is true when there is unity, when there is togetherness, when there is community, when, there, when God's people are in relationship, it becomes a life-giving river to the world around us. I've experienced both a community that is and a group of people that has been in disunity. And I've also experienced a group of people that were in unity. I remember uh, when I graduated college, my first job was actually working for the college that I graduated from. And I was working, it was a Christian school, and I was working with pastors in the area trying to raise support and involvement for the school. And my job was to go around and really to raise money from the churches, but I would host events for the local pastors. And I remember gathering a, a group of pastors in the area for a particular event. And as I put together the guest list, I was told by my boss that if you invite this pastor, then you can't invite that pastor. And if you invite this group of churches, then that group of churches won't come. And I thought, how heartbreaking. To be honest, I thought, I'm going to invite them all, and if they don't want to come, that's not on me, that's on them. But that had gone back to really a, a division that had happened in that city decades earlier, and it was continuing to leak into the community. I remember even Jennifer at cosmetology school at the time heard people that didn't even weren't even a part of church, didn't even call themselves Christians, but they were aware of what had happened. Why? Because it will leak into the world around us. But likewise, unity will affect the world around us. Togetherness, community becomes attractive to the world around us. You want to you wanna blow the minds of the world around us? Just love people that don't look like you, don't vote like you, don't talk like you but love them as a brother and a sister in Jesus Christ. Don't just stick to your little circle of sameness. We're called to be a fellowship of difference, joined together under the name of Jesus Christ. I experienced that. I remember one of the greatest seasons of community that I've ever been a part of was in our church in Virginia. It was in Hampton, Virginia, a, a city with a difficult past regarding racial unity. It was the first city in America where African slaves had been brought to the colonies. There was all kinds of historical challenges that were just under the surface, but the church that we were in was a beautiful expression of unity across racial lines. And it was, it was this diverse community that it was almost hard to put your finger on what is the predominant culture because it wasn't just a white culture or a black culture, it was a kingdom culture. And it became attractive to the world around us. In fact, my dad as the pastor at the time was approached by government leaders in the area saying, please help us solve the, these issues in our community. We're taking our cue from you. Why? Because it was, uh, it was flowing out. It was flowing in and people were being drawn into that. And I, I want you to know that wasn't because of some, um, you know, just um, strategy for reconciliation alone. It was ultimately born out of a heart 
of love that had been transformed by God where we began to love people that were not like us. And that's what God wants us to be. This is the picture. It's like the oil on the head. It's like the dew running down on the mountains. And the third thing that I want you to see is not just the pronouncement of togetherness, the picture of togetherness, but the promise of togetherness. David says this, it's like the dew of Hermon descending on the mountains of Zion. Listen to this, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. There the Lord, hear this, commanded the blessing. There's some places in scripture where it says God offers a blessing. There's some places in scripture where God says, where, where, where God speaks a blessing, but there's very few places that God commands the blessing. And, and how many of you know that when God commands something to be blessed, it is blessed. That's the blessing of God that comes upon and overtakes life forevermore. I want you to see that this is salvation language. This is, this is not uh, just a, a nice idea, life forevermore, eternal life, abundant life. What Jesus came to offer us is experienced in the context of togetherness, of community. You see, just as Israel that land in the Middle East was promised to Abraham and his descendants as a place of blessing. What was promised to them is now available to us through Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ, as imperfect as it is, as, as difficult as it is, as sometimes um, flawed as it is, it is the place where God commands the blessing, the people of God, the community of God. God doesn't have an only child. He has a family. He's building a family. And he's invited us to be a part of it. And you'll never experience the fullness of God's blessing outside of the family of God. And I want to encourage you in this season that is difficult. Perhaps you feel dry spiritually. Perhaps you feel like you're in a desert place spiritually. I want to encourage you, don't let the distance create disconnection because disconnection will produce death. And Jesus didn't come so that we could die. He came to give us life and life to the full. And so even as you're watching this today, I know perhaps you may be on your own. I want to encourage you to, to reach out to other people. I, I want to encourage you as we are in this season of distancing to maintain the rhythms of relationships. You know, we've made it clear church isn't a place we go. Church is a community, but community and relationships require rhythms. I want to encourage you, keep Sunday as what the scripture calls the Lord's Day. I love how John, I believe it's in the book of Revelation, he says, I was on the Isle of Patmos. I'm away from the church. I'm isolated. I'm on my own. But he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's Day. In other words, I'm disconnected physically, or I'm distant physically, but I'm not disconnected. I'm together with the Spirit. And I want to encourage you, just practically speaking, keep the Lord's day. Don't allow everything else to crowd out your schedule. Keep the rhythms of relationships. Gather on Sunday. Tune in for church online. Invite people out. Go out, you know, I, again, I know there's all kinds of restrictions, but go out to the park. Sit six feet apart. Bring a picnic basket. Everybody bring your own basket. BYOB. But 
make relationships, make community a priority. Keep Jesus in the center of your relationships. God's plan for community is a lot more than a couple of people just hanging out for a pool party. As great as that is, there needs to be an aspect of spiritual life. Pray for one another. Care for one another. Invest in relationships. I've been so encouraged as I've heard about some of you meeting the needs of other people, visiting other people, praying for other people. And I believe that as we live in this place of, of distant but not disconnected, that we're going to experience the life of God. And so I want to pray for you wherever you're at. And again, maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel isolated. Let me give you some good news. The Bible says this, that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Jesus Christ. And he said he will never leave you or forsake you. And you may feel away from everybody else. As the scripture says, though my father and mother forsake me, you'll never forsake me. And so you may feel isolated, but you are not alone. The presence of God is with you. And I want to pray today that God would bring you into this community of togetherness, this fellowship of difference, as flawed and challenging as sometimes family life is, but that we would experience a little bit of heaven on earth. And so, Father, I thank you right now for every person that's watching this. God, I thank you, Lord, for the single people. I thank you for the married people. I thank you, Lord, for those with children, God, perhaps those that are empty nesters, Lord, whatever season of life they're in, God, thank you, Lord, that you've not called us to be disconnected. And Lord, I pray right now that there would be this sense of togetherness in the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us, that our community would be much deeper than just gathering in, the, in a place on a certain day, but Lord, that it would be in the Spirit. But Father, that we would cultivate that. Lord, if there's relationships that we are allowing to drift, God, I pray you'd speak to us about those relationships and let our church community draw together as you are our good shepherd. Gather your flock that you might feed us and care for us so that you will do good to us in the end. I thank you for that, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for joining us online today. And I want to encourage you, don't just leave the Word here. Take time to meditate on the Word. If you're gathered in a house church gathering, take some time. Talk with one another. Find out how everybody's doing. Maybe some people have felt isolated. Pray for one another. Care for one another. Find out if there's people in need and talk about how you as a community can meet that need. If you're by yourself, why don't you pick up the phone after the service is over. Reach out to somebody in our church community. We're here for you to love you and care for you. And I'm so glad that we are together. It is good and pleasant to be together in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you soon.